This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Nostalgems, a lovely online shop featuring jewelry making kits, notions, and curiosities. Create your own heirloom worthy pieces as though you've unearthed them from your grandmother's jewelry box with the bits, bobs, and time worn treasures available at nostalgems.etsy.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 94 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode, and it's an inspiring conversation with Jennifer Paganelli. And she is the founder and owner of the Sisboom Collection. All the things she makes are really wonderful pieces, vintage-inspired pieces to adorn your home. She is also a fabric designer, so you can adorn yourself with her designs. Her story is really inspiring in the sense that she's kind of done the whole 9-to-5 thing you know, high power career. And um, when she had a, became a mother and her, the focus of her life shifted, she is going to talk us through the story of how her career path just ch- kind of changed fairly dramatically and how she built a business from her home in Connecticut. And uh, be sure to check the blog out this week because I think we're going to run a little giveaway and details will follow. So uh, check out craftsanity.com for more details and links to all of Jennifer's wonderful and inspiring things that she does on the web. So, okay, let's get to that interview. This boom was sort of founded with philosophy of having fun, and this boom is actually the name that was given to me by my brother when we were growing up. I have a twin brother, and uh, this boom was the nickname, somehow evolved, and I should just say that we it, it sort of started in my home when I stopped working at uh, the Knoll Group. I had been selling textiles for the Knoll Group in New York City and Soho. And I moved to Wilton, Connecticut. And ha- we have two children, now 18 and 15, but they were very young when we started this adventure. I say adventure. <laughs> and uh, it was founded on a sort of a vintage notion. And... Most of the work uh, was handcrafted, and there came a point where I had um, collected a lot of old textiles, and I've always they've always resonated with me, and um, I loved the whole notion of Versailles and lavish and rich. But when I was young, I moved to the Virgin Islands and uh, was exposed to Lily Pulitzer and Marimekko. So I like to think my textiles are sort of rooted in classical design, but have a very colorful. Uh, expressive nature to them. Did you have an inclination to do crafty and artistic things as a kid, or where do you think this comes from? When I really look back on my my childhood, as a young girl growing up in Syracuse, upstate New York, uh, I certainly loved paper dolls, loved cutting them out, loved embellishing their clothing. It was never just a flat uh, design for me. I just loved putting flowers or drawing or sticking cutouts to them. Um, it was definitely a 3D project for me and um, never never content with just the clothes they came with. <laughs> and yeah. I w- wanted to embellish them. And that's how I started in Syracuse, New York. And then when we moved to the Virgin Islands, it was as if my black and white world of, of provincial growing up in Syracuse, New York sort of flipped into a color uh, fantasy. And um, I really started noticing fashion for the first time I was 11. I think what happened was that my canvas became myself. And then um, I sort of 
went into fashion, worked for Bonwit, um, you know, grew up in, in St. Croix, worked in all the boutiques there, did their windows, just loved the cloth. When I went out to school, I still did the same thing. I took art and architecture in just in terms of decorative art. So where, when you moved to the Virgin Islands, how old were you? I was 11. Okay, so you were Okay. Where'd you go to school? I, I went to school. I went to Bradford College first. So I went there for two years and then uh, took a year off and sold shoes at Papagallo in Florida. My mother moved to Florida and I sold shoes for them again, always sort of, you know, taken by fashion. And then I transferred to Notre Dame the following year. Okay. And uh, again, took art, architecture and decorative art. So when you graduated, what was your degree then? Like a... um, It was an American studies in architecture. My concentrate for architecture and decorative art. Okay. So you kind of let that carry through. And... Yes, absolutely. So what did you do at, right after college then? Right after college, I moved to Boston with a girlfriend, and I always wanted to um, do windows. I was always fascinated with um, window dressing, and uh, I always read the book by Tiffany's, I think his name was Moore, his last name was Moore, but I just loved his fantasy world that he would create in these um, like 18 by 18 inch windows around Tiffany. Mm -hmm. And um, so I I worked for Bonwood Teller in uh, Boston. Across the street was Knoll International at the time. It was called Knoll International. And for those of the people who don't know, it um, you know, a, came out of Bauhaus in Germany and very modern, very sleek. Um, very, the, their furniture was very, uh, it was a very graphic world. And uh, but very rooted in um, Mies van der Rohe, which is less is more and that kind of um understanding. So I moved into that world for 12 years, worked in, and then I moved from Boston to New York City to work for Knoll. And uh, again, between it, it, our world was very fashionista. Mm-hmm. I mean, the sales reps were all fashion forward, and, um, you know, we, we were out representing Knoll, so we had to be some, there, there was a lot of couture element to what we were doing, and very high-end textiles. They were, you know, selling for $400 a yard. And wow. You're not just throwing on jeans and a sweatshirt no, to go sell no, this no, stuff. No, no, no. We You're... were all, our clothing was very avant-garde. And um, again, it was really to look the part. Uh, no representatives were sort of the chic, the society kind of people. Um, you know, we would have parties at MoMA, which is the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah. You know, and we would, um, we worked with Stephen Sprouse, who was related to our the owner of Knoll. The owner of Knoll owned the 21 Club in New York, so we would have to um, entertain a lot of our clients at the 21 Club. And so, you know, fortunately for me, I really, you know, not, not only, you know, fashion, but art as well. We were thrust into the art world, and Andy Warhol was certainly kind of a big part of what Knoll was all about. And, uh, um and the textiles were very straightforward. The woman who founded our textile company came from a haberdashery notion. So there were tweeds and, uh, you know, just a lot of, um, you know, she bought from haberdashery. So they were tweeds and sort of men's suiting fabric. And, um, and that evolved to where they were using um, design, men's clothing designers like Jane Barnes. And she did a line for us. And... Uh, it was it was just a very exciting time, and being in Soho made it ultra because it was just oh, on the yeah. edge of what was new and what was chic. And so you lived in that world with Noel for it sounds like several years in Boston and then more in New York. Yes, 
and twelve so, years I was with the company. Okay, and then so uh, so you get to the end of the the twelve years, and what what happened then? You know, my husband took a job in um, Connecticut, and so we looked around and we found a house in Wilton, Connecticut, and that was kind of what we could afford that was close to where he worked. Mm-hmm. And um, there was no way that I could commute to Soho. It was just taking me from Wilton. It would take like two hours door to door. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, two hours home. So it was just very, very inconvenient for me to do that. So, you know, we decided together that home with the kids, the kids were, when we moved out here, were five and two and a half. And that definitely was uh, a huge transition for me, not working, you know, the whole sense of identity, you know, who am I if I'm oh, yeah. kids? And, yeah. Yeah, women, that's typical for women to kind of wrestle with that when, you know, you've been used to being in this pretty high-powered world of fashion and art. So what did you do to, to kind of... Um, well, kind of reinvent you know, yourself. My, my husband said, you know, there's no money. And that was, you know, because we were down an income. Right, right. And we had a house. Right. So it was, you know, it was back really bare bones. And so I discovered the local flea market and I never stopped going. They would open only on good, um, good days, Sundays. Sundays had to be, you know, nice. It couldn't be raining because then they would close the flea market. It was only open on Sundays. And I started going there and bringing things home and realized that the paper doll syndrome had come back, you know, Mm -hmm. that all I wanted to do was embellish and take children's storybooks from like the 50s and and decoupage suitcases. And, um, you know, I would take jewels and, you know, old jewels and put them around chalkboards and and made little boutique pillows um, that caught on, you know, people... And I didn't want to sell any of it. I didn't. I I couldn't imagine something that I made to sell it. I just wanted to hoard everything. <laughs> my husband said, "You have to sell some of this stuff." <laughs> so I opened the house, and I invited everyone in. And it was went for like you know twenty dollars for you know vintage linens and oh my goodness, it was crazy. It was crazy. But the good news is, it set me up, and it became easier and easier to. You know, because they were my friends, and um, so it became easier and easier to sell things to them because I knew they were going to good homes. I knew they'd be appreciated, and so you know, fast forward ten years, we've been doing these shows twice a year for ten, ten, eleven years, and uh, it's become a historical stop on many people's lists in the spring and in around Christmas time. So, is this actually at your house still, or yeah. do you have it? You still have it at your house? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So you're... Yes, and um, we, we have a mailing of about 1,000 people. And uh, over the course of three days, people know that we're only open for three days. So they come, and they come, and they come. And it's been just an amazing process. And I also make um, wreaths that have hung in the American Folk Art Museum. I make them with old vintage balls. Oh, wow. And uh, so they've hung in New York City. And um, it, it's just been a real... You know, I became an artist, is Jennifer, is really what happened. Uh, I never thought of myself as an artist, but then I realized once there was a market for this that, that I could really own that, that I could be an artist. I did, a, did local craft shows, and one day Country Living had some, you know, I don't know what they call them, but they sent people out to these local craft shows, and they discovered me. And they were like, 
everybody come over here and it was it was just a really exciting time because I I always brought a bed <laughs> to these local craft shows. I was like if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it big and I'm going to, you know, make it exciting. Mm-hmm. And so I bring a bed, I bring a night and, you know, I did it like you would do at the Javits Center. I set up a whole booth of, a, <laughs> of an interior. And um, so once I was, um, once I got notice of them, they, I started working with that magazine and, uh, did, you know, got, actually talked to them this morning about, you know, doing things in the new year. So um, it's wonderful when January 2nd you've got a, a wonderful international magazine calling you saying what do you got what can we do together yeah that is great that's and wonderful it, but i want to say it came from very humble beginnings it was and and i still um i still appreciate everything i get i don't i don't expect that they're going to call you know i uh so it's it's still a very down home kind of collection can you talk a little bit about that transition? You basically have crafted yourself an income out of just your own talents that you may not even realized that you had initially. Right. And Jen, I'll just, I'll be sort of brutally honest with, with the process. It's been, it's been a long struggle, but I really believe in perseverance. And I think that, um, I really believe I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I think if I was further on, um, there would probably be a tremendous amount of debt. And with this economy, you can't really afford to have debt. So um, that's, for me, it's been a very slow process. And uh, because it's all one of a kind, you know, where we don't manufacture as yet, um, every, I guess every crafter has their obstacles has their um, difficulties in, in creating. And um, the shows certainly keep us um, from underwater. But I have to be honest, in the 10, 11 years I've been doing this, we still break even. You know, okay. We still break even. Do I want to be here? No, not at all. Do I want to have, you know, um, stockpiles of cash? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we all do, yeah. Right. yeah. But I, I want to just put that out to crafters that, you know, I certainly am not an overnight success. Um, and I think that if you really del- delved into a lot of the crafters, you'd find that, um, that you know, we, we've had licensees that have been totally and utterly um, catastro- catastrophic, you know, where they wouldn't put our name on the brand. And, um, and, and so there's a lot of tears. There's a lot of picking yourself up um, and dusting yourself off and going back out there. Um, but I think look, slow and steady really does win the race, um, mm-hmm. and not that this is a competitive thing that we do, but um, I really believe that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I chose uh, to be a stay-at-home mom, and I chose to be with my children, and um, actually, I didn't choose that. I have to say, honestly, I sort of had a real difficult time making that transition because I had a nanny in New York, and I had things that made it easier to raise children, and I realized when I was home with them that it, raising children was difficult, and I, I sort of was put in my place and made a deal, made a deal with God that if he would just let me raise my children, I would never ask for another thing. He gave me that. And then the business came, and then the addition on the house came, the studio came, and the only thing I can tell you is that the only thing that changed was my attitude. I think that for all of us, 
working in the craft that it has to be almost a vigorous positive attitude because so many times I wanted to shut this phone down and, you know, just because it was taking on, you know, it was just difficult. It was difficult to, to, to persevere through people that would say, you know, well, I could make that. Well, that's, that's fine. Go make one. <laughs> um, and I, I would have mothers whisper and say, say to their five-year-old children, you can make that. And oh, goodness. I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. I hope she does. You know, and, you know, the things that, that can make you want to stop what you're doing and, and right. there has to be an easier way. And, um, you know, I've stayed committed to the craft. You know, people have told me over and over, focus on one thing, just do one thing. And, and for whatever reason, that's not my, my mentality. I can't do one thing. Yeah, that's um, not my mentality either. Right. Um, but there are some people that can make one product and be very wildly successful at it, but I would go to sleep, I think, if I had to do just one thing. I, I can't. Jennifer, you know. that, you know, I'm passionate about so many things, and I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate that my husband has encouraged me. Um, you know, we've had very good um, recognition. Um, you know, we were in front of Target, you know, two weeks ago, not that we we're going to be in Target, but we were in front of them. And the word is, you know, we're not, for right now, we don't have a, you know, a license deal with Target. But the fact that we're in front of them tells me we're on the right path. And, um, you know, I don't know when that will be. It was certainly a huge disappointment, but there will be other opportunities. There's no question there will be other opportunities. Can you give us kind of an overview of what you're doing? What, what we're doing right now is, and, you know, after talking to Country Living Today, um, they want to make it easier for their readers. They want product. And we are all about giving it to, we would love to see our products on the market. And what I do is craft. Uh, and my feeling is what I'm crafting is hopefully a prototype for something that can be made you know, into production. And that's really what we're trying to partner up with. We've had, um, we were actually with um, Midwest of Cannon Falls, which people know as Seasons of Cannon Falls, and they do um, Christmas, and they do it very well, and they have an incredible eye for the vintage. And again, we were signing contracts, and a phone call came in that said, you know, we're worried about the economy, we can't sign contracts. And oh, no. so again, you know, I just want to put it out there because I think people need to know that everybody gets these disappointments. Right. You know, that, that, that that would have put Sisboom, you know, all over the world. We would have had Chris, you know, and it's hard for me when people email me and say, you know, I want one of your wreaths. And I say, you know, we don't ship the wreaths. They're very fragile. You know, the only way to get one of our wreaths is to come to our show. And so I feel like I'm on damage control all day with I see something in a magazine and I say, you know, Hopefully that will be in production, but it's not in production now. Right, because people want it, yeah. Right, right, and rightly so. When I see something in a magazine, if I can't get it, I get like, oh, huh, God. Yeah, yeah, it uh, could be a little frustrating, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and so what What we talked about, I said to Country Living, I said, if you give me a heads up and it's something like a pillow, I'll, I'll put 80 pillows in production. You know, hopefully we'll get an order for 1,000, but, you know, we'll, we'll start there. And, you know, I, I can do small-scale runs of things. Um, but again, what we're trying to do at Sisboom with, with our Christmas and certainly we do Halloween and, uh, we've done, um, we've done an enormous amount with our textiles and we slip cover everything from screens to chairs. And I should tell you, Jennifer, there's going to be a new website 
and uh, it's launching in February. We're very excited about it. It's going to be a little easier for people to see, but it also will give them ideas of what these $10 a yard fabrics can be used for. And um, so that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to brand more and try to get people these ornaments that they love and they cherish, that they there's one in production. And I, I, I hope that helps you um, to give you a little bit about what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Well, and I think um, if we can talk a little bit about how you came to World of Fabric Design. Oh, that's that's a great story. Because again, I think you're in the right place at the right time. And, uh, you know, I w had the good fortune of seeing Amy Butler come out. And I thought, oh my God, she's doing it. You know, thank God for the Amy Butlers of the world, because they they trailblaze for us, and um, or blaze trails, I think it is. But what I did was call that company that she was working for, and I said, um, you know, I'm Jennifer Paganelli. I would like to speak to someone at Free Spirit, and uh, they said, well, Donna Wilder is traveling, and let me tell you, Donna Wilder was always traveling, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it probably took eight months before I got the courage to call her again because I felt like I was harassing her, so I called her again. She took the phone. I was like, oh, God, she's taking the phone. This is so exciting. I, I, you know, I, actually, I think it, my computer stood up tall, like, oh, my God, this is, I'm getting a conversation. And, and she said, yes, this is Donna Wilder, you know. Um, and I said, well, I'm Jennifer Paganelli, and I sent you some information. And I wonder if you had a chance to see the website. She said, absolutely. And I wondered if you could meet this Friday. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know where she was. But, yeah. and, um, I figured I was on my way into New York City to meet with her. And, uh, you know, I was like, what do I, you know, I was already on what do I wear? And uh, she said, because I live in Weston. And Weston is the next town over. Oh, wow. And I was, and she said, so I'll just come to your home. And I thought, oh, my God, getting someone to come to my home for me is a very easy sell. You know, it, when I get someone in here, it's like, okay, I'll take this, this, and this. You know? Right, because you're already set up. Yeah, it's that set way. up. It's it's everywhere. We live it. It's there's mannequins all over the house. There's my my studio, which is just full of ideas. And just to give you an idea, Midwest when they came, they stayed for two days and took 600 pictures. So oh my goodness. There's a lot here. Once we can get people here, so, so she came and. She went around the house, and I don't even, I guess we sat down for a minute, and she said, well, you know, I'll look forward to seeing a line. And I, like, like a line? I, I, don't, I don't even know how to do that. I don't, and she said, go get a light box and start drawing something, elements that you like in the old textiles and, you know, create a line. Well, let me tell you, I was higher than a kite and as scared as I'd seen a horror flick. I mean, <laughs> I just, I almost was paralyzed. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And the reason I say right time, right place is that Donna Wilder, Wilder came to my home every two weeks and mentored me. Oh my goodness. And wow. showed me because, you know, I didn't have background in designing and she mentored me. She taught me. Now I'm on my own and I feel like, Donna, I'm flying, you know, I'm, I'm flying, I'm doing this. And so I owe her, you know, so much accolades for just giving me the opportunity, and for anybody wanting to go into design, designing textiles, I always tell them it's sort of the, the deal breaker for a lot of people. There isn't a lot of money in it. You know, I wish there was. I wish I could tell you you'll be a millionaire, but the net that it casts is huge because your designs are now 
200 yards long or 1,000 yards long. Right. um, There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it in the world. And for me to be able to go into Target, I had to have a fabric. I had to have fabric. I had to, you know, to go in front of anyone. You have to have the goods. Um, You can have great ideas, but until you don't get opportunities like that um, without having done this. So, So I guess what I'm saying is, Keep your passions fueling. Will I be a millionaire? I don't know. I really don't know, Jennifer. But the good news is I'm having a lot of fun doing this, and I can see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel that there is more opportunity. Um, and there are other places besides Target. <laughs> right, right. And how many lines of fabric have you have you done now? Um, this is my um, my fifth is coming out in the spring. So Flower Power is is a January release, and so it's my that was. This will be my fourth. But um, I would say there's probably 200 textiles on the market. You could Google Sisboom Fabrics, and eBay certainly has a ton of them. And I always tell people, when you go to eBay, it's so hard to search for anyone's fabrics. But if you put Sisboom Fabrics into the search box, hundreds of fabrics come up. And it makes it a lot easier for people to find things that are discontinued and um, be able to create more of something that they thought there would never be any more fabric. So yeah, that's the bad thing about fabric is that we all we fall in love with prints and we buy we think enough, right? <laughs> and then right. you want to make something else to match. Um, do you sell your own fabric? Do you sell that? I as do part not. Of your... Other designers do. I don't have a staff, so I I hire college girls that are wonderful, um, but I just don't even have a place to keep it, to cut it, to ship it. Um, right, that so. does consume a lot of time. A whole lot of time. And I think, too, Jennifer, um, there's a question there. Do, do, would I threaten other people who carry it? Oh, I see. You 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 kind of want to do the designing and leave the retailing to the the independents. Right. Okay. We talked um, briefly um, earlier this week, and you had said that you don't sew with your fabric. Because you're not, you're not really, you're not a seamstress. But no. um, I was like, oh my goodness, she has access to all this wonderful fabric, and she doesn't use it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I didn't think about that though, because I sew a lot, but I don't design fabric. And I'd be like you, I'd be like, oh my gosh, a line, like, what am I? Uh, where do I start? You know, I would have no idea. And do you have your fabrics though made into things that are in your home? And oh I mean, my gosh, yeah, yes. It, yes. And um, that'll be certainly there's there's things on the website, and I try to use the blog. To show people, you know, we've done headboards, we've done screen partitions, we've slipcovered furniture. Um, and I should say, Jennifer, if I, if I back up, when I stayed home with my kids, I found, I put a little ad in the paper, like if anybody wanted to work four hours a week so I could take a nap. And um, what was really funny was I hired a girl and she worked for me for like 15 hours a week taking care of the kids. And when I was collecting all this vintage fabric, I said to her, can you make me a little pillow? And uh, she said, sure. And the irony of all that is that she ended up in the garage sewing for me, and I took care of my own kids. <laughs> so it worked. It, it was really um, – and, and I guess what I learned from that, too, is that I could keep the ball in the air in terms of the other crafting that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do, I do work on uh, large scale. You know, I do a lot of glittering of uh, huge frames and um, – stars and things like that. So it frees me up to do that. Um, but I do sometimes employ my sewing machine for paper and sewing with paper because I love doing that. You know, there's, you know, that, there's a whole 
sort of crafting movement that's using paper on paper and sewing in, and it's it's charming. Mm-hmm. It's that's so very popular that. now. Um, but no, we it, the fabric is everywhere in the house. It's on duvet covers. It's you know it's everywhere, and we certainly take advantage of it. I'm I'm probably one of the bigger purchases of my own fabric. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> I hope they give you a discount. <laughs> they do. They do. We get the wholesale price. That's so good. That's good. Yeah. So basically when you're designing, you are you basically are, you know, come up with these ideas and then you have people that you employ to actually um, so, make yeah, the pillows I keep, I and do all that. I keep a staff of, of sewers. Okay. How many people do you have working for you? You know what? I have two college part-time and then I have my Mac guy, which... <laughs> is employed every other week, and uh, and I have um, my seamstresses, and there's three: one cuts and two sew. But they're only but they only work on the weekends. They I see. Uh, they don't sew for me during the week. They have full time jobs. Well, that's great because you're giving people a chance then that like really like to sew uh, a chance to absolutely to be we, part of this. And sewers come to the shows. That's when we will sell the fabric, you know, because I have hundreds of bolts around, so I'll keep them outside. And uh, if I'm not using them, it might as well be selling some yardage. So we yeah. still sell them during the show. I see. And so when are your shows? The shows are in the spring, and the dates are always to be announced, and the, the show at Christmas. And uh, the show at Christmas is huge because, again, you know, I'll make maybe 12 wreaths, and uh, it's the first come, first serve. So oh, wow. they, and they if you start taking them off the wall. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. So do you have to box up, like, your life in a way? Or or do you live in, in a way where, because, like, if, if someone was going to have a show in my house, if you came to my house, you would pass out. You'd be like, oh, my goodness, where are we going to put all the stuff? Right. Because um, right. I have all my crafting stuff all over the place. But so do you live in a way where it looks like country living all the time? Or do you? You know, people always ask us that because they come to the shows and they're like, you know, they always, some people are bold enough to say, are you married? Because they can't believe a guy would put up with this. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, what I try to do, and that, that tries capitalized, but I try to move everything into one room. And it, the, the living room, my, my husband said, I don't get to stand here since we've owned the house. And that becomes storage. Okay. So I take, um, and we have, fortunately, we have a big um, family room. So that's where everything happens. Okay, so you're able to put the stuff, like you do have some areas of the house that won't be public during the show then. Well, the whole first floor is pretty public. Okay. People are aware of that. Um, but And the porch is utilized during the show because we put, you know what we do, Jennifer, is we put beds out there so people can see the fabrics in context. Oh, wow. And it really is so helpful because then they'll, they'll, they'll leave here, they'll go to the local quilt store or they'll go um, online and buy the fabrics and and make have someone local make their thing. Wow. What a great idea. Yeah, to kind of give them, inspire them, so when they go home, you know, they're going to kind of carry out the things that you've, those ideas you've planted in their heads. Right, right. Yeah. We even did something recently which everybody was bowled over at. It, and I'd seen it, I guess, when I was growing up, but we just covered a table with a fabric, and then we cut glass to go over that. So it almost looks like a, you know, a painted piece or a tiled piece. Yeah, or, because it has that um, gloss to it. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it won't get dirty because you just wipe off the glass. But people were hackling over it. They just thought, oh, my God, I will change every t- surface top in my house. 
And I was like, well, only if you use system fabrics. It only works with system fabrics. <laughs> it just doesn't look as good otherwise, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, and it's little tips like that that, because um, otherwise, you know, people are like, oh, I'm going to have to wash the fabric. Someone spills their coffee. Right. You know, right. and with Absolutely. that, that's that's a great way to um, showcase fabric, and then you can swap out your fabric. Right, and I have friends that do decoupage with the fabrics. I'm not as skilled at that, but they make um, these rugs, um, canvas rugs with the fabrics that are beautiful. Oh, wow. So they take it, or they'll wrap um, pins with them. So they help me to think outside the box, too. So I have a lot of creative people that come to the shows and show me pictures of what they, they, they've done with the fabrics or email me pictures. And that's where it gets really exciting. Well, I can imagine. So it's kind of this exchange of creativity that right, happens right. right at your house. You don't even have to go anywhere. Right. <laughs> well, that saves you on travel expenses that's and also right. hauling all your goods someplace. And people have asked me, since I, I used to do craft shows, if I'll do another craft show. And I think once you've done that circuit, you're so burnt out that you just can't think about doing another craft show. You know, once it's accessible in your home and it works in your home, Mm -hmm. um, the craft, you know, lugging things out. And like like I said, we would take a bed, we would take furniture, um, and it just got a little unwieldy, and then you're gone for the whole weekend. So um, it's tough on families, too. Oh, yeah, and especially a lot of these shows happen in the summer months, and that's when people... um, would hope to get some leisure time, you know, right. and if you're sitting for 10 hours, you know, a day on weekends, um, you know, when other people are at the beach. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely a different lifestyle. And um, while the romance of being able to make your, like, craft your own living um, it definitely is appealing on so many levels. Um, sometimes people forget, though, the hard work it is to, to sell your stuff and market oh. it and everything else you have to do. Um, and, and, and so many people have told me since that because there seems to be a downturn in that market the craft shows that they'll say, you know, I stood there all day. I fortunately was able to pay for my booth, but, you know, and, um, you know, I think it'll cycle back, but, um, you know, if it, if, if it works, this venue works, I, and I pray that it continues to work. Um, it, it's a nice way to, to showcase your things and not have to go anywhere. Now, I know you don't ship your wreaths um, around the, the country and the globe because you're worried that, you know, they would get damaged. But do you sell um, other items on your website? And I'm kind of going back to your website here. You know what? We don't. Okay. We don't because everything is one of a kind. So if someone says, um, you know, I'd love an ornament, that means I have to take pictures. and make Oh, things, yeah. You know, and sometimes, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you could send 100 pictures and maybe they decided not to do it. So... So we're really, we have, um, we've, we're incorporating on the new site, and it's going to take time, so everybody be patient, but um, Papa Shop is sort of this online shop that I can maintain like my blog. Okay. And if it works like that and I'm successful at it, I can put one-of-a-kind things up, and when it's sold, take it down. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, everyone tells me it's pretty easy, so I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, there's a lot of artists do that where they'll have, you know, um, or they use Etsy. A lot of people use Etsy and will just post um, finished product up there and um, have people buy that as opposed to um, having to try to do all commissioned items over the Internet because that right. would be really frustrating. I can right. understand. Yeah, that would be very time consuming, too. Yeah. Well, if, if we could kind of go back to the fabric a little bit, because I have this pile of lovely fabric in front of me here, the samples that um, Free Spirit had sent over, um, and just lovely stuff, so Thank fun. You. Thank you and so um, I wanted to know a little bit about your design process. So when you had 
um, you know, this woman not just have a meeting with you, but have a meeting right in your own home. And she leaves, she closes the door, and you're probably caught between hyperventilation <laughs> and yeah. wanting to dance a jig right in your living room. But um, where did you start? I mean, where did you, how do you, what is your process like? Do you sketch things out? Do you look at vintage fabrics? And I know there are, go ahead, I'll just yeah, let you describe oh, that. There, it's a great question. Well, now what I do is, um, because I have a wonderful Mac guy, is that I'll take an old fabric and um, um, sort of sketch out what I like about it, and then I'll scan that into the computer. And in Photoshop, and, um, and also cutting and pasting, I do a lot of cutting and pasting, and, and um, the, the mill under, you know, I t- give that to someone in Westminster, and they sort of, um, not, not too many of us work like this, because everyone's gone totally illustrator, and a lot of people have gone illustrator. But I, I really believe in these old patterns, and I love them. And um, so I'll, I'll scan that in. And then once I'm in Photoshop, I play with the color, play with the scale, um, remove pieces, add pieces. Um, and fortunately, like I said, my, you know, what I did was, for someone like myself who's 50, I recommend to pe- yourself. Um, a, a computer graphics person to come to your home. It's, it's expensive, but as I have to be honest, I would have been lost because, you know, these kids come out of school and they know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's, it's breathing to them. So I wanted to be just as good as someone coming out of school. So he came for about 30 weeks until I could really manage it on my own. And, um, and, 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 and again, you know, I didn't have a computer background. You know, I could open my email. So it really um, makes sense for someone who starts later in life, like at 40, to have someone that really is skillful, can be with the design and make them into a repeat. Because that's your biggest issue, is these designs can be beautiful, but to put them in repeat is, is the hard equation. Right. And so once you learned that... Um... Did you feel, and you said it took about 30 weeks for you to feel like you really had a handle on the, right. the computer part of it. Um, so now are you doing a majority of, it sounds like you're doing a majority of your design work is then done on the computer. Absolutely. Now. And once, you know, the good news now is that the technology is amazing. Whereas before I would use paint chips or um, Pantone chips and staple it to the colors. Now um, the color that it actually prints out is if you like that color, they can actually go from a printout Xerox. Oh, wow. And I print on glossy. So it's very easy for um, them to now read that. You know, I think with all the Pantone technology, they can actually read that color. And so stuff that I print out, when it comes in, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, you want to jump to the ceiling because, you know, just even two years ago, I would send in a paint chip and it would look nothing like the paint chip. And we'd oh, go so you'd have to go and back and, and forth. And, and now they're getting it like on the first hit. And it's just very exciting because mills, mills and manufacturers will always tell you, get your, get your strike-offs down. You know, can't have 18 strike-offs for this one design. You know, get it down, get it down. And you're always being beat up. You're like, but I got to see them all. I got to see them all. But now the, the computer can sort of, you, you really get a feel from your printouts what it's going to look like. 
And so how does that work with the vintage fabric? Since it sounds like you're drawing a lot of your inspiration from vintage pieces. Yeah. Are these, um, I, I know, I know a little bit about this and I've heard that you can actually buy, I don't know if you buy the rights to it or you buy something, the design, um, or how does that work? Do you have to purchase something or how do you get the right to, um, take an old fabric and make it into something new? Well, what I do is I take, um, antiques, mine are all antiques and, and, um, if you put in antique fabrics um, into your Google search, you can, you know, many places will come up. And I take antiques, but I don't replicate that design. I take elements out of it. Okay. Okay. So you're really making it your elements own. Rather than, or, or I'll take that design and take things out of it. Um, but I really try to manipulate it so that you know, there is no question of who owns it because you don't want to get into that you know we recently had um someone took one of our designs and um used it in a knit and it was the exact same design and um you know we had to have a legal team go after them and um how did they use it i didn't catch that they they used it in a knit for a top oh okay and um you know they sold i can't even tell you hundreds and hundreds of units and um they said you know, they said it came, initially they said it came out of a book. And I said, but I don't use books to create my design. So then we knew that there was something suspicious. And they said, and this is, this is what happened. They figured because we were different industries and that it was an iconic kind of look, they just went in to a quilt store, cut the fabric, and copied it. Oh, goodness. Now, on the salvages, says Jennifer Paganelli, uh, on the salvages, says free spirit, that didn't discourage. So, you know, I, I certainly don't want anyone coming after me, and um, I don't want to have pie in my face for for doing something that is illegal. You right, know? right. So, um, so, you know, fortunately we won um, because they basically told us they copied it, and Thank God they were honest enough to say, you know, we thought it was a, it came out of a book. Now, some people do use books to create their designs. They figure this is Byzantine. Nobody has the rights to it, so I'll use it. But that's not how it works. Yeah, I think it's always just a good practice to have your own, put yourself into it. Because if you're just, yeah, you just don't want to have someone come up to you later and say, you know what, you stole my stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine that wouldn't be a good thing. So how did you discover um, that your design had been used. Um, did this, did you discover you know, people this? People emailed me. It ended up in a magazine, and uh, people emailed me, which is wonderful. I mean, I, I have such a great following, and there are people that appreciate just the crafted, you know, what, what you put into this. And um, they contacted me and said, you know, this looks like one of your designs. And so I forwarded it on to my brother, and, uh, he, you know, he handles my legal affairs. So he, you know put a call into them. And, you know, I have to say, you know, it's, it's always a struggle and I didn't want to have to go after them, but I think in order for us to, to put a a kibosh on it, we have to, you know, we, we owe that to ourselves. Um, otherwise it would be rampant. Right. Cause if they thought, well, Jennifer Paganelli doesn't go after, doesn't care if people use her designs, then you might have more of a problem. After someone else who said it was a historical design, um, they used it on tiles and I said, it's not a historical design. Trust me. You know, so, so, you know, it's up to us, the designers to say, you know, and I know it's happened to other designers at Free Spirit and. Well, that's disheartening to hear that that's happening. And so often, cause it's happened to you twice now, it sounds like. Yeah. 
Jeez. And does Free Spirit then step in, or how does that, or are you as the designer responsible for protecting? We're responsible. We're responsible to get our, our, copy, our designs copyrighted, and we're responsible to pursue any, any action. I mean, if we needed them and it was bigger than us, they would get involved. Okay, but if you're able to resolve it, yeah, because yeah. then you own, cause you own the right style your designs then. So hopefully that doesn't, isn't consuming a whole lot of your time right now, and you can focus on your next line. Which, um, when is, when you said your next line is coming out, Flower Power it's was just released. Flower Power, and then it's called Pretty Please. Pretty Please, okay. And um, it's, it, it will be, um, it will be at the Pittsburgh Quilt Show. Okay. And I'm not, I, I think it's May, Ooh, I don't want to say the dates because I'm not sure. But it sounds but like I'll spring at some point. And, um, a lot of the Free Spirit people will be there and um, it's a great show to just come see the, the fabrics and meet the designers. There's so many great designers out there. What is your favorite part of what you're doing? I mean, is it the fabric design or is it the, the making the, you know, of the, the wreaths and the other items that you make for people's homes? I mean, it, what is what do you like the best? What, the, I would say the best is the comments from people who walk in the house and say, oh, my God, it's so happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. And children that bring, you know, say, I, I wear that skirt all the time. And you just want to hug them up. And I recently, um, I used a little girl for a model. And um, her mother has a shop. And uh, she, Olivia, is adorable. And she took about five dresses off the rack and said that they were for her mother's shop. And I said, oh, that's great. And um, she said, but we might keep them in my house. And <laughs> I wanted to cry and move me so much that this little girl who's four wants to hoard these dresses for herself. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 nothing, there's nothing better, you know. It's like, oh, my God, I've created a little, <laughs> a little cis boomer. Passionista you know, here. It's, it's very exciting. Yeah. So it, so you like that. You enjoy that connection. And Absolutely. how much of a connection do you have online with the people that follow you? You know, it's funny because I, I once someone said once she doesn't write her emails, and that really hurt me because I spend, you know, two, three hours a day returning emails and reaching out. And, you know, I think that that's so important um, as part of your job as a designer because uh those are the it's, it, you know it's like any person it, you know that has a line of anything you know those are the people that that keep you in business and uh um i, I would i answer my own phone people are always like uh um now did jennifer intend to do this and i'm like you're talking to me <laughs> you know and uh they, they're they're shocked and um which is great you know but it is as long as I can keep this flavor, I would love to. And that's why licensing is really the route for me, because um, then I can be more in the studio, more hands-on. And, and I know that you have your blog, so you're yeah. able to um, connect with people that way as well. Yeah. And how has that enhanced your business, having that blog connection? It's amazing, and I love it, love it, love it. And uh, I met a lot of people when I went to the um, – and did a, a – a, paper presentation at Silver Bella, and you can read about that. There's also a Silver Bella blog. Teresa McFadden um, instituted that, and so people got to see what I, what I, how I work with paper, and um, so that, you know, I have a whole host of people now through the blog, but I have to say, you know, TypePad is a great blog, but they're changing their format, and it has become, I hope they hear this, because it has become increasingly difficult to respond to people that leave comments and go to their blog. You can email them, but you can't go to their blog. And I've been extremely frustrated. So 
because I like to read people's blogs and see what they're doing. Yeah. So are you are you thinking about making a change then, or? You know, I'll wait till all their 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 technology, all their monkeying around. I guess I should say. Yeah, it's and done. see where it's, how it shakes out. That they have to go through everybody to make these changes. So I'm just hoping that that's fixed really soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a place on Flickr called Sisboon Sightings. And when anybody makes something or, you know, creates something with boom fabrics or paper, uh, I get to see it. And, uh, you know, I always comment on anybody that leaves something there because it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to build a business and build a brand and that people recognize. Mm-hmm. Well, and so fun, so fun, too, to see that people are inspired and they want to make, you know, take some of these ideas and, and really make their own homes look right, beautiful. Right. And, um, and and that must be, I've interviewed other, a few, couple other people come to mind. I think uh, Kristen Nicholas, uh, I haven't seen her home in person, but she is a, a knitwear designer and um, she, and she also does embroidery work and her house, just the description of it, like the vibrant walls and like mm-hmm. all this color and all this stuff going on. And it sounds like your home is just a lot of really pretty things all through your house. Absolutely. And what is that like you know, to live? We've kept the walls white. Because, as you can see from the textiles, there's so much color that, um, you know, they get a chance to shine with, you know, within the white walls. It's just kind of worked for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's, you know, you've got zebra and you've got, you know, classic florals. And so they and all... That is one of the interesting things about your collection, because I have flower power in front of me. And you have everything from zebra prints <laughs> right. to um, a very, like, um, you know... Uh, well, they look antique looking um, floral prints. And then you have some others that are just really vibrant with the florals and the, the colors are really, really beautiful. And it, But it's an interesting mix of, of fabrics. And I can just imagine what this is like in your home to have all these really fun prints, you well, know, I, together. I, I love, it's really funny because I was a little worried about putting the zebra in. But in terms of, you know, I have it on a chair, and I can certainly send you a picture of the chair. But, um, you know, we see it used a lot in El Decor and in such beautiful ways that I really wanted to sort of bring that out. And I've seen it in children's clothing, and it's, it's adorable. And it's been such, in fact, Jennifer, it was discontinued because they sold, you know, I think they sold 2,000 yards of each color. Oh, wow. It only comes in black and brown. And... The backlash from discontinuing it, you know, I, I, I was able to say, you know, look at the significant emails from, from all these people who want it back. So we put it back in this line. It was originally in uh, Mod Girls and now we Oh, it I see. Out. Okay. So that's exciting, too. It means that people, you know, are, they'll use it in, on cosmetic cases and, you know, it's just, it's really pretty it is pretty it really is and i think and you know i think it's great too to kind of encourage people to um and not be so matchy matchy with everything because i think you just said my world thank you yeah because i think sometimes people feel like they have to everything has to match exactly and um you can't you know keep your your window treatment solid colors it's like no why not put the the leopard print up there on the wall, you know, uh, or zebra print. I mean, uh, put the zebra print up um, and and just make it fun. Because I think oh. if people come in your house and they kind of smile a little bit at you know your your interesting choices of fabrics, I think that's fun. Well, and and I I so appreciate that because I think, and I've always been one to believe this. You know, I have a friend and 
who I adore, who's always like, does this work with this? Does this work with this? And I look at her and I say, do you love it? And she'll say yes. And I'll say, then it'll work. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we all have a certain taste level, a certain sense of style, that we, but we don't trust. We rely on rules. And when the rules aren't there or, you know, the orange doesn't match the orange in that, we're like, can't do it. And I think that if you trust your gut, you would find that, that everything works if you yourself love it. Now, if I love it, it may not work in your house because I love what I love. Right. But I really, I always say, if you love it, it's going to work. And I've never been let down by that philosophy. And um, my collection is so not matchy-matchy. And, I, you know, we have gotten feedback sometimes from, from people who say this blue doesn't coordinate with this blue. And I just want to say on the record, it's intentional. Right, right. It's not like it's you're really colorblind or something. <laughs> <laughs> that that I, I, um, when I try to put that exact blue in another textile to, to coordinate it, it doesn't work for me as a designer. So um, I just, you know, but they will be the similar hues. They will be similar um, tonality, but they're not going to, that you won't find the matchy-matchy in this boom. And, and, and you know what I find, Jennifer? My textiles are used with every other designer, and every other designer, they use my textiles. So what I'm saying is when people walk into a cloak store or buy online, they go from Amy Butler to Anna Maria Horner to Heather Bailey to Tanya Whalen. They go all over the map. They're not, they're not necessarily looking within the context of a line to match it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're saying, oh, I love this with this. So my feeling is give them that freedom. Right. You know? Right, and the wider the palette is, for, I mean, if you have this very vibrant, multicolored, you know, palette of colors for them to s- select from, um, that just makes it all the more fun for all the quilters of the world, you know. Right. right. So, um, so I think it's well, I think it's great, and I think your prints are really fun, and um, yeah, I think so. I can't wait to see what the next line looks like. I think you're um, you, you like to. Um, I just think it's really interesting the things well, you come I think, up with. I think it does come from. Um, the, the Lily Pulitzer um, and uh, Mary Mecco background. And, and if people, um, I worked in a Mary Mecco store, so, and they were bright. And it's, it's kind of a resort, if you will, sensibility. And I don't mean that as hoity toity, but if you, even in the Hamptons, wherever, wherever people say there's a resort, they're like, oh my God, your fabric's in California. And, and if you look demographically, sometimes at my sales, it's like Texas, <laughs> New Orleans, Florida, you know, wow. it's like all, anybody on water almost. California, um, the, the East Coast, it's very interesting. Atlanta's a big, big purchaser. It's just an interesting um, demographic. Well, I think it's all the more important to get bright fabrics into the Midwest this time of year because it is so gloomy outside. With It's cold and, you know, just the sun. We don't see the sun as long, no. <laughs> you know, and it's just what I – so I'm like, if I can work with bright fabrics in the winter – I always love that because no, you can kind of give yourself. you need, you holler. Yeah, no, no, I just think it's, I, I'm just telling people for self-help out there. Oh, my <laughs> the God. winter well, blues, bright fabric is definitely a cure for the winter because um, you just kind of, you can't go outside and, you know, and you look at like your summer clothes, they tend to be bright and, you know, the palette and it just seems like sometimes people get into like the dark gray business too, you know, and it's mm. just like, oh, you need to shake it up. So, um, yeah, so I think this is, um, this is a good time to um, be working with, some uh, Jennifer Paganelli here. Oh, <laughs> so what is your favorite, out of this flower power um, 
line, what have you had made for your own home? Like, do you have bedding or <laughs> is everything? It's going to start shipping in January. Yeah. So we've, we've, we really haven't made, I don't think we've made anything. And what I did for the show that we did um, at Christmas was we cut it all up and made fat quarters. Okay. So that people could take it with them because I wanted people to, like, start feeling it. <laughs> yeah, we'll start figuring out what to do. Yeah, yeah. so I'm waiting for my yardage. <laughs> and the, the mill knows because I, you know, email them every day. And say, so, when will it be here? So once that yardage comes in, we, we have plans to go crazy, and we're going to do my bedroom. And it'll be online. It'll be on the blog and as well as the pictures on the site. And uh, we're really excited. You know, I thought you were going to ask me my favorite fabric. And, well, I um, want to know that, too, if you have one. But sometimes that's like asking a mother to pick her favorite child. It's I mean. not easy. It's not easy. But one thing that I really am so happy about is the little, um, it looks Indian almost. It's a little like a, I would even call it a paisley but the colors that it came in are just so Oh, lush. is that the pink one? Pink and there's aqua? There's pink. There's a, a blue on a green. It almost, it, it's, it's a kind of a little amorphic <laughs> kind of look. Very, it's, it's a smaller scale than the rest. And in fact, I keep looking at that one. And I'm like, I know. I that know. is it's so a, beautiful. Just, everything. I mean, I'm just so excited about it. I, I don't even know which one I'm going to make the duvet and which one's going to be the skirt. I'm just, you know, still up in the air, but... Well, I think, I mean, I just think this is great. It's so funny. I got home today and I had a little a TV thing to do this morning and I got home and my daughters, I told my husband, I said, yeah, I'm going to be interviewing Jennifer Paganelli and there might be, the samples might get here. And, and, and I said, if they do just, you know, if you could open the box, just so I know when I go flying up the stairs to the interview and my youngest daughter, she's three, um, Amelia said, mom, some fabric came. I think you're going to like it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, and, and it is such a girly uh, you know, like the, like I said, it's the little girls that make me swoon with their, I mean, they just come in and their mouth drops. Oh, yeah. My girls love fabric. And I, I know there's a, um, I think Anna Maria Horner in her book has a pattern for kind of a, a skirt that's made with all different kinds of fabric. Yeah. And this is, um, I'm looking at this fabric here and I'm like, man, I think there's gonna be some piecing together of little girls <laughs> skirts here. So when I get one of those done, I'll have to, um, you know, and the cool thing is, as you said, you can mix Anna Maria's fabric and oh. Amy Butler's oh, and all of yours, and, and especially in projects like that. And I really encourage people to take a walk on the wild side. You know, oh, if you've been real matchy matchy, you pick are out doing all your the best thing for the market, and you are really doing the best thing. Well, I'm just kind of celebrating what I love. The way I look at it, I've been doing, you know, Craft Sanity for three years, and I've talked to so many inspiring people. And, you know, even you, I mean, you came to a point where you, you made a choice. You know, you changed your professional life, shifted dramatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look what's happened. I mean, you've ended up in a happy place. You know, right. you're not um, entertaining people at the 21 Club, you know, right. Right. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, I mean, I'm not hearing regret at all, oh, you know. No. And You know, it, it is a passion. Uh, and I can hear it in your voice, and that that we get to do this and have a family is, is you know, a phenomenal thing. It's a phenomenal thing. Yeah, I just and I think that you know, if everything you know was a guarantee, you know, like if when you left Noel, if someone said, well, you're going to be fine, you're going to mm-hmm. do fabric lines, you're going to do all that, it almost steals from the adventure of it. If you mm-hmm. knew how it was mm-hmm. going to shake out, there's highs and lows. And um, that's all they are, are just low. You know, I guess because I was so devastated at, at some things that happened, and I realized it's all part of the process. You know, it's all part of the process. Um, I remember someone said to, um, I think it was 
Urban Outfitters. They were presented with the line, and uh, they said it was really too hallmarky for them. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, I was at first I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be hallmarky. And then I thought, you know, that could be a good thing. That could be the thing that someone says, wow, these, you know, that that I will find the audience. Right, we'll right. find the right folks. And um, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's all leading to a good place. And we can certainly, again, I think crafters have to really be optimistic all the time. You know, we're in front of people. Your stuff is judged all day long. And uh, you kind of have to also be open-minded. You know, some people, and my husband's really sometimes critical and it, you know, it, if it didn't make me think, I would probably hate him, you know. <laughs> and I've chosen to say, you know what, let's, you know, let's, let's listen to that. Because people that love you will tell you. You know what, and I think that makes, I mean, I know my husband's the same way. Like, he does not blow smoke in my face. Like, he does not say, that was great. Mm-hmm. If it was not great, it, I mean, first thing that happens after I, I do a weekly uh, little TV art and craft thing here in Grand Rapids on um, just a local morning program. And I'm not I'm not trained in TV at all. Mm. It's not my element. And um, I'm a print journalist, you know, who talks exactly. into a microphone, you know, <laughs> and a podcaster on the weekends. But, um, you know, so I call him and I'm like, oh, how was that? And he'll give me a, a, a critical rundown of, like, and I learned from that, though, because, like, I'll know, okay, next time, here's some things I can do, you know. Um, and he doesn't, like, rip me to shreds and spit me out so I'm a crying mess. I mean, it's right. nothing like that. But um, it's, sometimes you, you're like, man, you know, you, you want to just be, have a cheerleader. But at the same time, though, that if, if, if you have people in your life just cheering you on and never telling you the truth, right. <laughs> that doesn't help you, you know. Right. So Absolutely. we're lucky to have people like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it takes um, – you know, I'm just, I, I see your path opening up, and who knew? Who knew, right? I mean, I always wanted to do textiles. I talked to everybody about doing textiles. Mm-hmm. But um, who knew that, that it would open up this way? And who knew that you'd be podcasting? Like, Yeah, know, there was, was no, yeah, we didn't even, I mean, podcast didn't even exist five, like, you know, well, maybe five years ago. I know I didn't get into it until three years ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, no one even knew what the word podcast meant, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because my Mac guy kept saying you should really do podcasts. And maybe someday it'll, you know, come in front of me and I'll think about it again. But but it just didn't resonate with me, you know. Well, and that's just the thing, too. I think for a lot of people, um, especially in these tough economic times, they hear about some possibility and they jump right into it. Um, and it might not be the thing that's suitable. Like if you hear the lady down the streets making aprons and she's and they're selling like hotcakes and you're like, okay, that's selling. I'm going to try to do that too. But you might hate it. You might right. hate making aprons right. and hate sewing and hate all that. And then it's not going to work for you, you know. Right. So it's like if I decide to try to make vintage wreaths, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it, you, you're doing it. You're successful at it. I'm like, wow, they're selling like hotcakes, you know. Well, I got to tell um, you, though, that's a funny thing. People <laughs> do try to make them and they'll make one for their home and they'll say, you deserve every cent you get for that. <laughs> so it's, it's somewhat rewarding. <laughs> well, why don't you tell me what's next? I know you have another line coming out, um, and you're working on getting some, you're uh, maybe getting a product line in a, um, in a, in a larger store um, to get some things licensed. Right. So it sounds like you're just going to continue to kind of shop your, your things around. And do you do that directly, or do you have people working for you that uh, get, try to get your products before um, the decision makers? You know what? We've had agents in the past, um, and what we're finding is, is it's probably easier because what happens with an agent is you have 
one perception of what you want them to do, and they're doing something else. And so there's sort of a, an angst created, oh. and it doesn't, it doesn't feel right, you know, but, but it's an expectation thing. And um, I, I think, you know, what, what I'll hopefully continue to do is work with Country Living, um, sort of uh, continue, obviously, designing fabrics as long as the, the economy, you know, because I, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And, um, uh, you know, they may cut us back in terms of the volume that we produce. Who knows? Um, I just know across the board, everybody is feeling this. And, uh, have you had to cut anything back so far, or have they maintained the level that that they've? No, had? I have not cut back anything. Okay, well, not that's a good sign. Uh, um, I do get the sense that um, the, the buyers, you know, without you know, that the buyers are being much more selective. Okay. And, um, you know, rightly so. I'm personally more selective when I go to the grocery store. You know, I'm right. We're all being more selective, like right. trying not to drive as far. And yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. So you know, I've been on my own little PR adventure by myself. You know, calling my um, vendors that have carried me in the past, saying, you know, um, you know, have you looked at the line? You know, and I've gotten some great response and some like, you know, well, I'm cutting back, so I, you know, I'm not going to take the line. So. I think it's important, um, and, and, you know, I don't think I'm crossing any lines, but I do want people to know that the designers are just invested as in the success as anybody at the, at the manufacturer, you mm-hmm. know, that we want people to be successful with the line. So um, I try to get it, it, it do as much PR. Um, I'm certainly going to be taking a lot of fabrics and sending them to more magazines. Um, my brother is pushing me in a direction of TV, and... It's interesting talking to you because I shut down when people mention TV. So your hesitation is you just don't want to go on TV, or well, you? You know what I'm. You know when I taught out at uh, Silver Bella, I loved it. I loved the people. I loved being in the classroom, and I loved all that. And you know that's natural to me for me. But on TV, I just. Um, but, you know, and the only kind of TV I've been on is where they put up the cards and they tell you what to say, and I'm like, ah. And yeah. it's just uncomfortable. And maybe there's a – but, again, for me, it's about having an open mind. And I want to shut down and say, Jim, please do not pursue any TV. And, and you know, and he feels that that's a really appropriate way to be launched, you know, that people get to know you and see your things. and so I'm just trying to breathe, Jen. I'm yeah, well, you know, say. there's some other options, too. I mean, I think I totally see what you're saying because TV is not natural. I don't feel pressure to suddenly become this TV maven if you, that's not something right. you really want to do. Because I think there's a lot of people, there's a medium, you know. And I, and I think what you're saying is you dip your toe in the water, you know. And, and you and, might like it. I yeah. thought I was going to hate it. I really did. I was like, oh, geez, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And I got there the first day, my prop broke in half. Like one of, so they had to have a guy come out with super glue. I mean, the, the viewers at home had no idea. It was fun. And I just thought, well, maybe this is what I need to do to get the word out about Craft Sanity. You know? Yeah. And you can do video podcasts. So if you have, I mean, I have a little flip cam that I use. It's like, you know, just this little tiny camera that connects. You can record an hour of video on it, and it connects right to the computer. And you can um, you could do like a little tutorial, like if you wanted to show something in your studio of how you put together some little ornament for Christmas or something like that. Right, right. You can put that on YouTube, um, record it, and it, the shorter 
the better. Like a lot of people don't want to sit in their, by their computer for like 20 minutes. Um, if you can get something that's like a couple minutes or four minutes, um, put that on YouTube and connect it, you know, from your website. And um, you'd be amazed at the hits you get. And it's fun to feel like I can kind of give people ideas of what they can do without spending tons of money. Right. You know, because I, I think that in this economy, it's so important to give people things they can do that don't cost money. I think, too, just in terms of the quilt fabrics that, you know, there is a, a thrust. And, I, you know, I may have told you a little bit about it, but to change the name of quilting fabrics to lifestyle. Fabrics. Yeah, I'm glad you're bringing that up because, I, I, yeah, yeah, I want to cover I, that. I think that that's what we're saying is that it doesn't have to be expensive to be a home fabric. And quilt fabrics have survived centuries, you know? Right. So why not a $10 yard fabric? And most of these fabrics, as far as I know, you can get for eight ninety nine. I mean, Is that what your fabric retails for? You know, I, I'm not sure because I know there was an increase. So I, I will have to check that for you. But we always say, I mean, I've always said $10 suggested retail. Okay. Um, okay. And I think that they can do with that number what they like. Right. And for most people, $10 is still within reason because you can do quite a bit with a yard of fabric. Oh my gosh. And and I I noticed um, there's a Calico Corners that went out of business and, you know, they're the next tier. And, uh, you know, when I tell people they can buy my fabrics in quilt stores, they look at me like, when am I going to be in a quilt store? You know, it's, it's, um, it's a difficult, when they see it applied to duvets and things, they're like a quilt store, you know? So I think that, if it changes to quilt and lifestyle or lifestyle and quilt, there'll be more um, people inclined to open fabric stores that, are, that, that aren't devoted totally to quilts. Definitely keep in contact. Um, let me know, you know if you decide to do a book at some point or whatever you decide to do. Um, I'd like to stay on top of that. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Really appreciate it. Okay. Good luck with those YouTube videos. Oh, thank you. Okay. All <laughs> right. Hun. All right. Bye. A special thanks to Jennifer Paganelli for taking the time to tell us her story. I hope you found this episode of Craft Sanity inspiring, and I hope it gets those wheels turning and you start to think about what you can do and what you want to do. Because, as I often have to remind myself, we only get one chance, you know, to walk the earth. I'd like to take a moment to thank, once again, Nostalgems for sponsoring this episode of Craft Sanity. You can check out Rena Ward's vintage-inspired jewelry and treasures, jewelry-making kits, and finished products as well that you can purchase at nostalgems.etsy.com. If you would like to be a sponsor of the Craft Sanity podcast, uh, go to craftsanity.com and click on the sponsor link. For some of you who listen and may not visit the website, I have been uh, doing TV appearances every Friday. So I do these every week on a local morning show, and Jeff has been throwing those segments up on YouTube. So I demonstrate little craft projects. Sometimes I'm inspired by something I see on the web. Other times it's people I write about here um, for my art and craft column that I do for my newspaper, the Garden Rapids Press. But I'm always looking for ideas and inspiration. So if you have... You know, something that a project that you do that you like to spread the word about. You don't have to be local. Obviously, if you're local, you know, then I might be able to work you into my craft column locally. But the world has really shrunk with the internet in the sense that, you know, we're all kind of connected electronically. So I think that's really cool. So if you have any ideas for me, 
feel free to send those my way. So I'm always looking for things. And I'm just kind of trying to do, continue to do what I can to kind of spread the word about craft sanity. And, you know, I still seem to have a death grip on my day job. (laughs) So it's really funny because I talk about, you know, I'm inspired all the time by people who've stepped away and just done their thing full time. But, you know, with the economy as it is, it just seems like almost irresponsible, you know, for me to let go. But that is still the dream. That is the dream to uh, eventually be doing craft sanity on a full-time basis and some of my other things on a more part-time basis. But um, just like many of you, you know, I'm juggling the day job and motherhood and all the other things. I'm still trying to train for a 25K uh, that's going to be coming up in May and uh, having a really hard time getting the miles in. You know, (laughs) it's just I think I have too many interests, so it's hard to fit everything in. But at the same time, I'm energized by producing this show and getting wonderful email from you folks who listen. I really appreciate it and can't thank you enough for just being such a supportive group of people. I really appreciate that. Check out the website this week because I'm going to be posting some information about a giveaway and there's going to be some fabric involved. Uh, Jennifer Paganelli has graciously offered to sponsor a giveaway, which I think will be really fun. I'll be back soon with another episode, and in the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email Jennifer at CraftSanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.